by those lyrics. You're so easy to worship. You're so easy to praise. But yet sometimes we have a hard time, don't we? How about wherever you go, I will follow you. Where you go, I will follow you. Will you? You know, we can sing these lyrics. I mean, I, man, I'm like, I, I worship you. But sometimes it's so hard, it's so difficult to do these things that come so natural, so natural. Maybe the Lord today has a word for you. Uh, maybe today you're distracted. Maybe today uh, getting here was a challenge. Maybe the, the world is heavy on you right now. Maybe uh, your stress and anxiety is up today. Uh, can, can, you, can you say, Lord, I, I want to hear from you in the midst of the struggles that I'm facing. I, I, I want to silence the distractions, and I want to be able to hear from you today. Because, look, we're going to build on what he's doing uh, through this process. Like, like uh, can we take what we learned last month uh, and, and back to school, and can we go, okay, now the foundation is laid. Uh, we found some vulnerabilities in our life. Uh, we're back in season of our groups. Can we now take off? Can, can we now frame this thing out? Can we now do the finish work? You know, uh, God is the master craftsman. And he wants to build in your life, and these foundational elements that we've had um, are critical. If, if maybe you missed a sermon uh, last month, they're online on YouTube. Go check them out. Go on the website. It'll drive you right to uh, our YouTube page, and go and see uh, what God has for you through those messages. Just throw it on in the car when you're driving, but just hear what God has uh, for you in this season. But today, we transfer, we transition into a sermon series on top of the foundation that we laid called Beloved. But beloved. Like beloved is next level love. You are my beloved. Man, it means something different, right? It's like, it's that next level. It's the, man, we're going to ratchet things up. It's that agape love between God and man, between man and God. It is the love of God for man and of man for God. I want you, don't, don't be thinking of the earthly relationships that we have. Like, like, like the belovedness between me and God is different than the love for me and my wife and me and my children, me and my coworkers. Like, like so easily we take this earthly love and we look at it and we're like, okay, that's how God must love us because I understand love this way. And we really need to look at it uh, upwards. In the New Testament, uh, the word beloved implies more than human affection. When we start looking at it, beloved is more than this human affection we have for each other. Like I, I, I can't, there, there's nobody, I can't fathom a, a love greater than that that I have for my wife. You can say the same for your spouse. If, if you can't say that, uh, we know a great counseling center that can help you uh, get to that point. But, like, I can't fathom more love. But, you, but, but that, that love that we have, that beloved love is, is this way and not this way. And so it suggests an esteem for others that comes by recognizing our worth as children of God. Do you know, Christian, today that you are a child of God? That you are his, and he loves you. He loves you more than you can imagine this earthly love. Like, it is a beloved relationship. And those that are addressed 
in the New Testament here, what we see is they're more than friends. They were brothers and sisters in Christ, and therefore they're highly valued. Do you know you have high value in our community? While the community tries to devalue Christianity, you need to see that you're a high value. You're high value at work, in your home, and sometimes we don't feel like it. It's because Satan is very good at duping us and making us think that we are not of value. Uh, we often will sin, and then we feel the weight of the sin, and Satan's tactic is to make you feel devalued because of the sin in your life. There's two separate things. Like the, the, the sin that you have doesn't take the belovedness of Christ for his children away. Like you are loved. And this month, we're going to look at this deep love that we have with the Father. Beloved. And I'll use 1 John as this cornerstone. As we look at to 1 John. So 1 John, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to find it. It's really toward the end of the Bible. Really, the last book in the Bible is Revelation. I'll help you out. If you're, if you're new to the Bible, that's okay. Use the table of contents if you have to. No shame in this game, right? Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Then there's Jude, and then before Jude, you get 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, okay? And, it, it, and you'll blow right by it because it's only a few pages. 1st John, I think, is four pages. 2nd is a page. 3rd John is a page. There's not much to it. And what I'd like you to do is, is I'd like you to, to read it this month. <clears throat> this week, I'd love for you to read 1st John and just read through it. Maybe you read through it a couple of times. And say, Lord, what do, you, what do you have for me? Because it's not explicitly clear who John is writing to, uh, but we do know through Bible scholars who are a lot smarter than me and have studied this uh, their whole of life, uh, I pretty much determined that he is writing to believers. And so if he's writing to believers in Christ, that means this letter is for us. It is for you today. And it's just as relevant today as it was yesterday and just as relevant as it will be tomorrow because we know one thing, this doesn't change. While our surroundings around us change, our style and preferences, the word doesn't change. Likely, it's written in Asia Minor, which is current-day Turkey, and it's where John was ministering in the late first century. That's a long time ago if you're not taking a, a, a record, right? The first century... Was, was a while ago, and some people, the world will tell you, it's not relevant anymore. Well, that, that's the lie. That's the lie, because it is relevant today. All of Scripture is relevant today. The Old Testament uh, prophesies the coming of the Savior. It all matches together. The New Testament gives us a great way to live, and what we're finding in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is that we're finding that, hey, this is a letter from him to us today that gives us a, a, a way to live. It tells us how we ought to walk, and, and um, we, we ought to see this fellowship that we have with God. Some of you are so, so confused because you're paying too much attention to, to, to this thing, right, and to the media and to the news. You're confused what to think. We're allowing the culture to drive our thought processes, and if we would just go back to the truth of the Scripture and say, hey, John, how, how are we to live? And I think the first thing we need to see is that we have deep, beloved 
relationship with Jesus Christ, with God through the Spirit of Christ. He writes in these three letters that if the Holy Spirit, uh, who uh, it is, is what allows us to live this obedient life, and obedience is not always a, a word we like to talk about unless you're training a dog. And then obedience is cool. But anything outside of that, we're like, obedience is kind of like the word submission, right? It's just all been twisted, and it's just not a word that's safe today. I call malarkey. I think we ought to look at obedience and say, God, what do you have for us? Uh, because uh, we cannot live our lives as Christ followers without understanding obedience. Where you go, we just sing. Where you go, I will follow you. Unless you take this turn or that turn, and then I'm on my own, God. That's what we say. We say, I'll follow you as long as I'm happy, as long as the road feels comfortable, as long as we can stop by Bucky's on the way, I'll follow you, right? Try me. Just pass Bucky's with your wife asleep in the car and see what happens. Sometimes I need written approval, you know, before. She's like, hey, I'm about to take a nap in the car on a road trip. And, and I said, okay, cool. If we pass the Bucky's or are we stopping or going? She's like, I think you can just go. I said, okay, can you text me that for proof? <laughs> Here's what I want you to see in, in these books of John. I want you to see that it's a high application book. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love application. It's where the points come from, y'all. I think three is a magic number. I think it helps us uh, stay in line. A three-legged stool stands up. Uh, Father, uh, God, Son, Holy Spirit. I mean, there's, there's a lot in three. It's this application. Okay, here's a word. Here's some scripture. Here's a theme. Here's what we're going to talk about. Now, what do I do with it? Have you ever left church before? And, 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 and of course, not this church, I don't, I don't think, I hope not, right? And said, and said uh, hey, hey that, was, that was a great service. Uh, what, did, what did you talk about? Oh, it was a scripture, I think, in like 1 John. I, I remember, yeah, there was, there was a scripture in 1 John. And uh, well, what does it mean? Oh, I don't know. What are you going to do with it? Oh, I don't know. And then you look at it like, I just know what the scripture says. I'd rather you know what to do with the Scripture. Like there's a piece and parts that we look at, and, and then what do I do with it? These books are really high in application. Beloved has some action steps. So today we're going to kick this thing off. Oh, but hold on. Before we go to the title, um, it's Labor Day, right? Labor Day weekend, right? Uh, uh, Labor Day is when you take a break from laboring. Well, today's word, um, you may have to work for it. You may, it's not Labor Day today. We're still working, right? It, but it's Sunday. It's the Sabbath. Oh, don't give me that. You're not going home and Sabbathing. You're probably going home and doing all these things. You're going to go out to eat. You're going to do all this stuff, right? Uh, I need it. I get it. We need a break. We need to take a day off. I'm not trying to speak against the Sabbath rest. But, but I am saying today, you might have to work for this word. Uh, for the rest of your life, you may have to work for this uh, because the title is Love Comes in Obedience. 
Love comes in obedience. We're going to unpack this today. We're going to talk about obedience. Listen close. I'm talking about the love of God is made complete in obedience. If it's electricity, it's what closes the cycle that allows electricity to flow through all of it. You know, if you just break the electricity in one spot, everything downline of that break is out. Well, we learn that in storms, don't we? When the power goes out, probably everything at your house is wired up fine, but somewhere up the line, uh, there's been a break. Disobedience draws us into these breaks, and then we wonder what's happening. Now remember, we're talking heavenly love, not earthly love. And if you're not careful, you'll continue to put this earthly construct onto this heavenly message. So let's 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 dive into the word. We're, we're going to camp on two scriptures today, one in 1 John, obviously, right? And then one in Romans, okay? Another New Testament book. And first, we're going to go to 1 John 2, 5 through 6. It's going to set the stage for today. It says, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Tall order. Look, underline. If you obey his word, love for God is what? Truly made complete. It's the full cycle. It, it, it's the diagram where everything is working right. There's no breaks. It, it works good. You, listen, are beloved. You have a wiring diagram. You have a road map. You have a GPS to follow. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. And if you're like me, Everywhere along the way of life, I am breaking currents. I'm breaking cycles. But yet, in the middle of it, he still loves me. Are, are y'all ready to build on the foundations we've established? Two people. That's good. The rest of y'all, you can, we'll get there. Um, look, love, the love toward God is solidified in obedience. You cannot look like the world and Jesus at the same time. You know, they clash. A lot of us struggle there. Man, uh, we want to be in the world and like the world, but God calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we find our place in these uh, uh, workplaces with the crude jokes, and we just get on that train. We find ourselves at home and getting angry and just like, yeah, but, ah, and we explode. We find ourselves as children trying to, wanting to obey our parents, but, man, this cartoon that I'm watching or this video on YouTube or this other thing that I'm doing is just consuming me, and, ah, it breaks these cycles everywhere. We cannot look like the world and fully be followers of Jesus Christ. We have to reflect him in us. Remember the fear and embarrassment that we talked about last week? And fear and embarrassment keeps us from fully embracing the change in us that we need to reflect. If we're obeying Christ, 
we will do those crazy things that don't seem natural because, listen, his Holy Spirit is supernatural and it doesn't look natural on the world. And people are going to be like, you sure you want to go to Conroe and plant a church? You sure? That doesn't even sound right. Like you, you, are you sure you want to, you know, fill in the blank? Sure? Uh, we, we ask ourselves these questions. You sure, God? You sure I'm going to do this? For some of you, it's signing up and serving on a, our a crew, on our volunteer crews. You're like, sure I'm going to serve? Like, I don't work unless I get paid for it. Right? You're like, they don't pay me. And God says, yeah, I'm sure. I want you to plug in. I want you to engage. I want you to welcome people. I want you to help watch children. I want you to serve a cup of coffee. But yeah, Shanna's like, woohoo! come on, come on. You know, that is the hardest crew to fill. Uh, and it's the, it is the biggest one. And it's also the hardest to attract men to. But yet, do you, okay, I'm going to sidebar for a minute because the Lord just told me to, right? <laughs> do you know, and it's no accident, do you know that, that one of the largest problems, come on, 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 on our Wednesday night men's group, we're learning this, uh, in our nation that we face is fatherlessness. Not having men to influence our younger children, but yet when it even comes to the church, we men, we surrender that to the women and say, you do that. Man, man, it's time for us to step up. It's time for us to say, maybe this is the obedience that God's talking. If you're right now going, uh-oh, that's probably you. Go talk to Shannon, right? Like say, I need to serve and I need to influence this generation. You know, Phil, he doesn't hear this, right? He's my brother-in-law. He's and his wife are in that. I consider it, if you have kids in the preschool room, I love your kids, but that's probably the hardest room in all of this place today is that preschool room. And do you know Phil and Joelle are in that space every single Sunday morning in this hour? They don't say, I'll do it once a month. They don't say, I'll do it every six weeks. Oh, they don't go bold and say, I'll do it twice a month. They say, put me in there every single week. You know why? They say, I want to establish relationship with those children. And they do a powerful job. You ever seen Phil walk out of here, come in and take a break before second service? He, he looks like me at the end of Christmas morning. Like, oh, my gosh, right? Like, I love those kids, but somebody got to come get them. You know why he's in there? He's obeying Christ. He's obeying him and saying, all right. Plus, he loves his wife, and his wife wants to go in there. And she said, come with me. He said, okay. But he's falling in love. He's falling in love. For some reason, you think you can receive the blessing of God, but yet have it your way. Come on, y'all. This isn't Burger King. Remember those old commercials? You can't have it your way. If you get it your way, it's not his way. In fact, there's... I look at our church as we even figure out how we set our culture. We have multiple generations of people here. I tell Lance, he's my son, and he's the younger generation. I say, look, man, if you get it your way, we're not doing it right. And then I tell myself, if I get it my way, we're not doing it right. Like, where's this compromise? God, what do you have for us? How do you want us to package your word and deliver it to a community? Because we want to be your beloved. Your beloved. But 
<laughs> comma, there are some conditions. But you go, wait, wait, wait. Isn't love unconditional? Yeah, his love is fully unconditional. It means I love you, but yet next level love, beloved, there's some conditions. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take us to Romans 8.28. It's a very familiar scripture for some of y'all. Uh, we sang about it here just a minute ago. You make all things work together for my good, right? We sang it over and over. You make all things work together for my good. And we get to Romans 8.28, and it says, and we know that all things God works for the good, what? Of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you know the world says, oh, but it'll all work out for good. It'll all work out for good. Our culture says that. We, even as Christians, say this. It'll all work out for good. But sometimes that's not true. Sometimes, it, sometimes bad things happen and they just say bad things. It doesn't always work out for good. Why? Because there's a condition. It says, it says we know that all things work for good. What? For those who love him. So what if I don't love him? How do I determine if my love, how, how do I know? How do I love him? And it says, who have been called according to his purpose. There's some conditions here. We want this Romans 8.28 love, but sometimes we don't love him. And sometimes we're not operating in the calling or the purpose that we have. So we're going to unpack these two scriptures this morning, and I want you to consider this love and obedience, and I'm going to ask you three very hard questions. And if you're taking notes, like write, write these three things down. If you're not taking notes, write these three things down. <laughs> One, they're questions for you. One, do I love God? Do I love him? Do I love God? Such a basic question. And I think all of us at the, at the onset would raise our hands and go, yeah, of course I love God. Wouldn't be here if I didn't love God. But it's so complex. Do your actions demonstrate that you love him? Do the things that you do and say reflect your love of him? Deeper yet, are you obedient to him? Do you follow him? Uh, let, let me ask you this more pointed question. I, I, I want to use the construct of marriage today. You love me, right? If I love my spouse, why do I cheat? Y'all got quiet. But you say, I don't cheat. And I'm going to say, let's keep reading the scriptures. In Matthew 5, 28, it says, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Uh-oh. You see this culture we live in? 
God designed man with eyes and a heart? We find ourselves in this place where we're stuck. Y'all, there's more cheating than we're aware of. Like if we looked at the heart, God looks at your heart, the spiritual heart. If we look at it, we're going to find that this is not an issue just on the outside of church. And I'm going to go there today. And I want to stay PG-13, maybe PG-10. Um, um, we have a problem with obedience. And I want to use just this one example to highlight what I'm talking about. John Thorrington, he's a pastoral counselor at Focus on the Family. You know, Jim Dobson, very reputable family uh, research counsel. Um, he shares these alarming statistics. I want to tell you today that married, married Christian men, married church people, married Christian men, do you know that 55% of married Christian men look at porn monthly? Do you know that 35% of married Christian men have had extramarital affairs? Obedience, y'all. We have a problem with obedience. Those are physical statistics. Could you imagine if we go back to the Scripture and says, even if you look lustfully after another woman, you have committed adultery in your heart. Could you imagine what those statistics would be? Now, let's move out of marriage of all Christian men. Look, all these statistics are within the faith group, within the Christian world. From ages 18 to 30, the younger generation says 77% of these younger Christian men look at porn monthly. 36% view pornography daily and 32% admit to being addicted, yet another 12% think they may be. Look, if, uh, if a research group asks a Christian man, if you think you're addicted to porn, and they go, maybe they're addicted. If the addict goes, I may be an alcoholic. Come on, you're an alcoholic. Right? We just, I mean, come on, let's look at this. That's almost half of Christian men age 18 to 30 are admitting, hey, I've got an addiction here, and our culture is feeding this. No less disturbing for Christian men in the next age group, age 31 to 49. 77% of, of these men, Christian men, uh, they look, uh, in the past three months, they've looked at porn in the workplace. Like, how do you even do that? Like, where do you work, Christian men? Like, find another job, you know? I'm like, like what is happening? Uh, 66, 60, I'm sorry, 64% of these men view porn monthly. 18% uh, admit to being addicted with 8% think they may be. Okay, we're done with the statistics. Everybody breathe. We have a, what I want you to see, we have an obedience problem here, y'all. We started this sermon series going, 
oh, this is going to be pretty good. Obedience, yeah, I can do that. And then I give you these heavy statistics, and y'all are like, ah, the ladies in the room are like, oh, my husband's a dirtbag. Statistically, he's like, right? I'm like, I don't know if I can go home with you today, right? Like, I mean, look, y'all, I'm talking about other churches, not Refuge Church. We're a church of counseling centers, so we're all healthy in here, right? No, we're not. We're not. We're not healthy. So I go to counseling every week because we just got to be healthier than we were last week. We have, I, look, I, I, could, I could look at any of, our, any of our issues and we could come up with the same grotesque statistics. This is just one that God laid on my heart this week. And I went to Stacy and I said, I don't want to share this information. And she says, if God's calling you to share it, you got to share it. Right, let the Lord convict where he needs to convict. But look, I will sidebar note, not in my script here. I I will say if you, man or woman, have any addiction issue, whatever the addiction might be, like we have help for you. Like we know how to recover. We can I can't personally, I can pastor you through it. We have professional counselors that can help you walk away from these addictions and put them behind you but you're going to have to obey God. Maybe your first step obedience is saying, hey, I got a problem. We need, to, we need to fix this thing. Look, disobeying God, it tarnishes this agape love that we have for him. He will unconditionally love you, but when we look at belovedness, it just tarnishes the cycle that we have. So what's the action step? We got an obedience problem. Okay? And it interrupts the love cycle that we have with God. What do I do? First, you pray. Pray first. Say it before you see it. First, just pray. Ask God to reveal what needs to go in your life. What needs to go? What needs, what needs to happen? What needs to go away? Something needs to go to break the cycle that you're in so that you can uh, move along. Next is repent. You have to repent. You have to come clean. You know that discovery is far, um, far worse than confession. Like saying, "Hey, maybe some of you today need to go home and have some serious conversation with your spouse, with your friends, with a brother or a sister, and just say, "Hey, I, can I talk to you about something? You know, I've got to get right with God, and I need to have a conversation. I need to repent, and then change the behavior. Seek some counseling. Change your behavior, and, and, and then the last is is recover." recover. Like there's things that you can do to get out of the pit that you're in that's falling you away from the belovedness of Christ. Some of you are so stressed. I believe the anxiety and I believe uh, the, the stress and depression that our young people in high school, they're still in our homes. I believe it's stemming from disobedience from Christ and we're allowing this twisted and warped culture into the church, into our environments, and we're not addressing it. And those children are going to grow into adults that suffer like no others. But I believe when we get real and have these honest conversations, I believe we can change some things. You want that Romans 8.28 life? Love God by obeying Him. Love Him by obeying Him. So when we look at that Romans 8.28, God brings glory to all things to those who love him. I want you to replace that word and put it in there uh, underneath it by obedience, by obeying him. It's an indicator of love. I want to obey you. 
I want to follow you. Where you lead, I will go and just see what he does. All right, let's move along. Number two, do I recognize God's call? You, you do realize that God has called you to have a holy life, right? Like when you said, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. Here I am. Send me. Take me. He's calling you into a holy, beloved life. And you get to live in a new way. Remember, we'll do it next week. Raised to walk in the newness of life. You have a new chance. You don't have to be who you used to be. God has a call on your life. And are you answering it today? You do not need to be chasing this world anymore. Stop trying to compete with the worldly people. It ends in destruction. While it may look amazing today in our culture, it's a nosedive. Money does not buy happiness. It doesn't. Right relationship with Christ brings happiness, brings joy. It's the call he gave you. He saved you by his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then he called you into him. Now come and follow me. First, he proved that he was God by the way of the cross and by the way of conquering it, and he says, now come into me. Now come and follow me. Be who you are by my calling. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he has saved us and called us, you see that, to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. Look, we're not that good, y'all. But because of his own purpose and his grace, the free gift of grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus, look, before the beginning of time. Do you see that so many things happen for your life before you were even made? Before God brought you into this earth, before he knitted you in his mother's womb, his grace and his purpose called you into service. It called you into being a child of God. You are his beloved child today. And I want you to walk away from this place going, Lord, because you call me beloved, I now can obey you. Give me the disciplines and structure for the rest of my life to walk closer to you. Romans 11, 29 through 30 tells us that his love is irrevocable, it's irreversible, and it's final. His call, his call. Romans 11, 29, 30. For God's gift and his call, look, are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. Look, by nature, we disobey. By nature, we fall. By nature, our eyes wander. Our mind drifts. Temptations overcome us by nature. But God called you to be his beloved. He called you out, and you answered the call. And if your disobedience brought mercy, imagine what your obedience will do. Like even in your disobedience, my disobedience, he still shows us grace. He still shows us mercy. Imagine the belovedness of obedience. Imagine the peace walking through the storm. Some of you wonder 
while you're having such a hard time with life, I would ask, where's your obedience and where's your disobedience? And newsflash, we, we all have both. We all have different levels of obedience and disobedience. Look here, God called, you, called us as his church. He called us into this vision of refuge. We used to be Texas Grand Chapel before December of last year. We used to be Texas Grand Chapel. We re-imaged who we are because he called us into the vision of refuge. It's not my idea. It's not Adam's idea, Shannon's idea, co-owners of Refuge Council, not Stacy's idea. This is God's idea. It's God's vision. He called us into this vision. And then what he did is he dropped the vision on us. And I went to Shannon Brown and I said, hey, I, I think God is saying this. And she says, huh, I think God's saying this. And they matched. And God works in this crazy idea. Why? Because he called us as a church into this concept of refuge. I'm not okay, and that's okay. And we were willing to be obedient and do the hard thing. You know how easy it would have been to stay a church and to stay a counseling center? You know how easy it would have just been to go, <laughs> I'm just not feeling that right now, you know? You know how hard it was for me and Stacy to go, give up the name Texas Grand Chapel? Are you kidding me? Like, I was kind of quick to it, and Stacy was a little slower. She was like, oh, wait, wait, time out. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. So you get to the place of obedience, right, and say, God, this is bigger than you. This is bigger than us, bigger than me. Like, we want to do what you want us to do. Like, look at this idea, and then look in your life. Some of you are here worshiping with us because God's called you. He's called you to the mission. He's called you to this community. Some people have left us because he's calling them other places. And all of this is okay because if we're operating in his calling and we're obedient to what he's called us to do, we're winning. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. May God himself, the God of peace, come on, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your soul, your body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What? The one who calls you is faithful. And I love the last part. And he will do it. What do you think God is calling you into? What are you afraid to do? What classic college do you think you need to go back to, but you're afraid because of where it might lead you? Because it may be hard to do. What crew is he calling you to serve on? How's he calling you to invest and to sow into this project called refuge? He says, the one who he calls will be faithful to. And then he says, and he will do it. Physically, we're looking for a new building, aren't we? Because we need to merge these two things and bring them together in the full vision of God. 
But you also know that it's a journey, right? And he's in charge and not us. And so we, in the waiting, we obey him. Obey him. And so we have to do this personally and individually too. Why? Because he's called you and you're his beloved. We, as a church, are his beloved. You know the local church is in the scriptures referred to as the bride of Christ. And the groom, Jesus, is coming back. Why? Because we are his beloved. So number three, as we close, I want to share, I want you to write this question down. Do I know his purpose for me? Do I know his purpose for me? See, because when you become God's beloved child by way of salvation, your purpose comes alive. Your purpose starts to come alive. Some of you are struggling to find your purpose. I got bad news and good news. Here's the bad news. Satan wants to shield you from the purpose that God put in you. He wants you not to see what your purpose is. Here's the good news. Uh, You have the ability by way of the Holy Spirit to discover what your purpose is. And Satan, you can say, "Uh uh-uh, you get out of my mind, get out of my environment because I'm on a quest to discover my purpose. You're tired of working so hard. You're tired of just grinding this thing called life and just going through all of these motions. Discover your God-given purpose and see what happens in your life. Ask God through prayer what he's created you to do. Ask him why he made you. Ask him what it is that you are supposed to do in life. And he will show you. Let me give you an example. I thought my purpose was being a Coast Guardsman. I was like, man, I am operating with all my faculties here. You put me on a boat on a rescue mission with the crew, and I'm like, man, this is my jam. He, he, he started revealing some things to me, and I started discovering my purpose, and it had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with rescuing people. Hear me. It had everything to do with rescuing souls. But I used rescuing people to allow me to see beyond what I thought was fun. And he said, I'm going to allow you to rescue souls. That's what I've called you to do. And so I started listening. And he, because I was working in a fairly masculine environment at the time, uh, just men, He said, I want you to influence men with the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so I started leading Coast Guardsmen with my faith instead of my policies that I had learned. And now all of a sudden it didn't matter where I worked. It mattered what I did. And God called me into the ministry. And I went through seminary. And I started saying, Lord, what are we doing? I need to get out of this environment. And I need to go into this environment. And he says, look, listen to me. I released you from uh, your mind into ministry. But I haven't released you from the uniform. He wanted to teach me still some things. He wanted to teach me to a point where I could tell you, doesn't matter where you work, that you're a minister of the gospel and you have a purpose in it. And then I became a pastor and my heart started to burden for issues that women were having. And he started broadening my horizon. And all of a sudden I see these hurting women out there. And I'm talking to Stacy and I'm just like, man, this burden is starting to come alive 
And then God just walks me through some opportunities to see the, the, the hurt that men cause women. And, and he said, Steve, I want you to broaden your purpose to bring others the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so men and women included. Like, look, God has a purpose for you. You discover what it is, and you won't work a day again in your life. You'll labor on this Labor Day weekend, but you won't work. You'll find joy in what you do. I'm going to tell you right now, pastoring and church planning, hardest work on the planet. Challenge me. We'll go to lunch, right? There's no off button. There's no time out. Like last night, my family's coming over, and we had, oh, we had pork chops on the grill ready to go. We had chicken, come on, chicken legs. Uh, I mean, we had pasta salad. We had corn on the, ready on the deal, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm just going, I'm not going to say names, I'm not going to say any issues, but I want, I want you to see what happens. We had to deal at that moment with two suicidal ideations within our church body. Gone. Okay, family time, over. Crisis, focus, do the deal, and then we were able to get back. There's no off. But there's not one moment in that moment where I was like, oh, are you kidding me right now? Like, I don't want to work. We said, no, you've called us to this. You've called me into this. And it's a joy to serve. My family understands that we never argue about, I got to go, got to go to the hospital, see somebody else. I'll tell you what. Some people, not y'all, because, you know, you're not in the hospital, right? Some people, like, if I don't get there fast enough, but we got to find a new church, Marge. <coughs> yeah, so, is it Marge or is it another church? Yeah, yeah, just a name I came up with, right? Try to think of an old person's name. You have love, grace, mercy. What do you do for a living? What do you do for your purpose? But when things get diverted on you, you're like, that's okay. That's okay. I got this. God's called me to this. We can do this. Let's move. Philippians, I'll close with this scripture, chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, see it? Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here's the, here's the action step, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He's called you and he's given you a purpose. Satan's task is keeping you from discovering those. But when you obey him and you search, you shall find. And when you find and when you discover, hear me, you obey. Whatever it is, never for a moment in my life did my mother think I would be standing here. She thought I was going to be a truck driver because I could back her 1973 Pontiac Granville convertible that was half the size of this space 
into the garage at 12 years old. She says, that boy's going far. He's going to be a truck driver, right? <clears throat> Nothing against truck drivers. I still have this. My brother-in-law's a truck driver, and I, I, I live vicariously through him because I think it sounds amazing, right? Like, man, you got to do, uh, uh, do all this kind of stuff when you're driving down the road. It just sounds amazing. Ask yourself this as we go home today. What's my purpose? Not what do I want to do with my life, but Lord, what's my purpose? Why did you create me? I want to be your beloved. I want this relationship that's next level love. Will you work on this Labor Day weekend? Will you work to get to a place to where you can say with confidence, I love God. I recognize his call, and I know his purpose for my life. Because when you do those things, you will feel the full blessing of being his beloved. Let's pray. God, today, I ask that you move in our minds today. I ask that you be with us as we start to ask these hard questions. God, do I love you? Oh, what a hard question. My soul wants to say yes, but my flesh oftentimes reminds me of the things that I do that draw me away from you. God, let me obey you in the hard days. Let me enjoy the good days. God, I ask today that you ban Satan from the people that are here, that are listening online, that have families that are connected God, that you ban Satan from those environments so that they can discover their purpose by way of their God-given calling and that they truly can say that, God, you bring all things to good for those who love him and are called according to your purpose. God, we surrender to you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.